You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. Like, I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock, look at the view from the top, researching rookies a lot, no, I just be listening to pods, yeah, one in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock, uh, browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing, what he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things, and there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, culture didn't pop. Give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box. And you cannot compare them at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire. I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby. Hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table. Woo. Fantasy round What's going on, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast, part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. You can find them at PigskinPodNet on Twitter, or you can search the hashtag TPPN. And before you go any further into listening to this show, pause really quick. I promise we're not going anywhere. Give us a rate and review really quick. We would really appreciate it. And then come back and listen to the awesome episode we're about to give you guys on the rest of the AFC South, which is, I guess, going to be a very interesting episode to listen to, if I'm being honest. We might just go find some music or TV show to watch. But, you know, we, we do technically need to talk about the Texans and the Jaguars. Matt is here with me. Dennis will be here soon. Matt, how you doing on this wonderful Friday? Well, you know, I think as befits uh, the content that we have coming our way, both of us uh, are wearing black T-shirts. We're both in black, so hopefully Dennis got the memo when he drops in here. But otherwise, doing good. Looking forward to, uh, if you guys missed it on the show Twitter handle that we also retweeted it out, we are going to be doing our redraft league live, doing a live draft on Labor Day Monday. Great way to kick off. Uh, or cap your Labor Day weekend and cap the summer and get ready to kick off the football season. Still a couple spots left, so hit us up on Twitter if you want in. Yeah, I'm excited about that. I didn't do great last year, I don't think. I don't remember. The pressure of 60 seconds per pick doing it live on the air will definitely help. should be a lot of fun. It's on a – what day are we doing it on again? Is that Labor Day? Yeah, Labor Day. That's perfect because I won't have work, so like I don't have to stress as much because – 
I got a lot of drafts coming up. I still do a fair amount of like I've got my home league dynasty yeah. draft that we always do in person, which is a lot of fun. Uh, and then I've got a couple redrafts that I still do with like my work and my old job that I actually had like a decade ago that I'm still in that league as well. So I'm excited about that. Though. I still like doing redraft here and there. So I'm, I'm very excited of, to, to do one of my uh, my good friends who lives here is actually in our uh, in our redraft draft. And I told Lindsay, um, my wife, Lindsay, that we should have them over for a barbecue and then he can drop down here and be drafting while I'm doing it back to back computer. So you can see how sad I am in person. Yeah. Hey, it's, I love it, man. It's one of the, I think that's why so many people love uh best ball, the best ball format, because one of the most fun things to do in fantasy is drafting. And then obviously, you know, you start doing that and then, you're in like 50 leagues just because you want to draft. And then all of a sudden uh, you realize you got to take care of 50 teams throughout the season. It's not a lot of fun. So best is, <laughs> yeah. is, is a lot of fun. Indeed. There's not a ton of news to go off of. Uh, Julio Jones has signed with the Buccaneers. He's moving to tight end. So we've got that going for us. Just, just kidding, no. obviously, but uh, I don't want to say, <sighs> I don't really know what to think. I'll be I don't honest. Think this is a one of the few potential landing spots for him where I think he has zero impact. Yeah, I, I, I like if he would have gone back with Matt Ryan in the Colts. Okay, you know that maybe maybe you get semi excited about that. He goes to Green Bay where they literally have nothing. Okay, the Buccaneers have receivers. They have. Mike Evans, Chris Godwin actually looks like he's tracking to play week one, which feels like a miracle. They went out and got Russell Gage. I, I don't know. It'll be interesting. People are we're talking about how he's going to be just as big as what Antonio Brown was kind of in his heyday. Um, there probably at not last season before he walked off, but the season before. I just don't think that's going to happen. I think Julio wants a ring, and maybe that he'll get one this way, which would be nice for him. Yeah, that's the only reason I think he joined the Bucks. Is it's a good shot of him getting a ring. Uh, he's not going to outproduce Evans or Godwin. Uh, maybe he's a decent red zone threat for them, which we've seen Gronk mm. do at times. That's why I, I obviously made the joke about him going to and be they have tight sixty-five end. tight ends too. Yeah, yeah. I mean, well, he's better than Bray. I don't know. If he's as good a blocker as some of the other tight ends on their roster. But yeah, I don't mm. see him. Uh, I don't see him being a, a really thing. Yeah, and I mean, he could be. Uh, he could be used as a decoy. I feel like. Uh, Defenses know that he's not that good. Yeah, that's what I, I don't want to say, say washed, but he'd have he'd have to have like a if he has like a couple of big plays, then I could see the decoy thing. But if you know, based on the, the Julio we've seen in the last couple of years, I don't know that defenses are shading a whole lot to him. Dennis made it. He's not in black. Yeah, I guess you didn't get the memo, huh? It's okay. Oh, you're oh. muted. There we go. No, so I got, got most of that promotion I asked for, so work started. Oh, congratulations. Fun times. Well, you know, I got 70% of the money I asked for, and, he, and the, the boss was like, you really are looking to take on a whole lot of stuff here, and I just don't think you got it in you. So we'll, I'll give you like two-thirds of the work and 70% of the money. And I was and an extra week of vacation. And I was like, okay, I can live with that. You need to pick that for the playoffs. So do you uh what do you think about Julio? I called him Julio Deathbed Jones in um another chat I was in. I 
I don't think he's going to surpass Russell Gage and Chris Godwin's coming back. So I, I think he may get some courtesy snaps just enough to hurt his hamstring. I think the other piece of Buccaneers news about poor Ryan Jensen being carted off was probably the more devastating because I, somebody I, I wasn't even thinking about it till Mina Kimes was talking about it yesterday, but Brady is really bad with up the middle pressure. So losing your center, probably suboptimal. And, his, and both of his guards too. Yeah. Yeah. We're about to be looking at. Well, didn't Shaq Mason, they traded for Shaq Mason. I thought. Yeah, but he's not great. I mean, he's he could he's it looks like he's going to have one of the right now again we're projecting, but it looks like he may have one of the worst offensive lines he's had in a long time since one of those years I can't remember which year it was in New England that it wasn't great. I mean, they still made the playoffs, but that was back when like nobody else in the East was good. Yeah, it, it's not great, and not just for him, but you got Leonard uh, left tackle left tackle Lenny, who's you know struggling to shed some weight now. He doesn't have an offensive line blocking for him. I, I mean, didn't think he looked that bad when they showed his picture. And they said he was like two thirty something. Doesn't feel like that's that heavy. It's like fifty pounds away from being a tackle. Mm-hmm. All right. He was two twenty five coming out of college. I mean you know hey hey it's Florida. That weight may drop off in the form of like sweat after two uh, I disagree. I'm here in Texas and the, the weight ain't going anywhere. And I'm trust me, I'm outside and sweating. And it's, you know, it just depends on what he's eating and drinking. He's not as young as he used to be. Uh, I guess the other big news, and I, I don't, I don't know, it's a very interesting conversation around this. The Kyler Murray contract has been amended. We talked a little bit about this. I had no idea this was even in the contract. You brought this up on Monday that he had to have four hours of independent study. Uh, that has now been amended. I guess the Cardinals said a lot of people took it the wrong way, and they weren't trying to make Kyler look bad. I just what other way folded. to take it? Yeah, I think they just folded under the pressure of all the people scrutinizing them and or Kyler for it being in there. Uh, I mean, is what it is, I guess, at this point. Any Anybody else have any thoughts on it? You know, they clearly don't think he puts in enough time or enough undistracted time. Uh and so they put it in there to say, look, we think you can be better. It was interesting. David Zach put out a series of graphs showing Kyler's production, and they all kind of had a downward trend. And when uh, the most recent Call of Duty had been released each year, and there did seem like it could possibly be some correlation to when Call of Duty came out and his production going down. Now, it also could be just it was towards the end of the season and he's getting dinged up and, you know, losing nuke one year, you know, so there, there are other things, but you know, that was a little bit funny to, to look at. I think those are the kind of things that you talk about in meetings that you don't formally, or maybe this shows you that Arizona doesn't think anyone in the media actually reads contracts, which is a fair point. But to me, that's, they, it probably speaks to something that they want to get him to get better at. I get putting it in there and trying to tie it to compensation to be a way to make that happen, but they did not think that through. Yeah, I mean, there's no way that, like, it was it was taken not in the way we intended it. I mean, you put it in there because you intended to tell him, we think you need to work harder on the mental aspect of the game. 
Which I don't think there's an issue with. I hate that they removed it. I think that makes it look worse, to be honest. Like, why didn't they? Why didn't they just leave it in there? If that's how you feel about it, man, dude just got 150 guaranteed money. Okay, and if, he's if, never if Cardinals, really won anything either. Yeah, so, like I mean, it Cardinals makes the Cardinals came, look weak now. If the Cardinals came to me and like, hey, Matt, we want you to be our quarterback. We're going to pay you 150 million dollars guaranteed, and all we want you to do is study four more hours. I'll give you 14 more hours. I don't care. Like. I don't agree. And I agree with this too. Uh, did he not read it before he signed it? He had to of. And so his comments that he's made recently too, about like how surprising it was and how hurt he was like, you signed the contract, Kyler, you could have just not well, signed it. Actually, to be fair, like the press conference that I listened to, he was surprised and hurt that people were taking it that he never studied before and this would be his first time studying so he may not have had a like that's the other thing that's unfortunate why when you have you know so dennis just negotiated his new contract i've negotiated my my contracts there there are probably things in there about performance or things they want you to do nobody in the public reads that or writes about it this might have been something where they were like kyler we you know, we love you. We're investing in you in the future, but we we want you to kind of step up your game. We think that this to go to the next level. And you don't know if there were things that like Kingsbury committed to doing better. And so he probably didn't have a problem with that. The press conference that I saw, he was he was borderline livid that what this turned into is a somehow he never cracked a playbook before and just went out there to wing it. And now the Cardinals want him to actually study. That's and. That part I understand. Yeah, I mean, he's got to understand some part of the playbook. He's not playing backyard football every play. Sometimes he definitely is, but it's not every play. Yeah, it's. I feel it's definitely somewhere in the middle. I do not think it's as bad as, you know, as soon as, uh, you know, like Dennis mentioned, as soon as Call of Duty comes out, Kyler Murray stops looking at a playbook. But I'm sure that there is parts of that. As someone who has played his fair amount of video games as well, I have shunned work to play video games at time. I've... Shun, I don't know if my boss Austin they kind of so let's hope not but like I think when they were talking about it in the contract too they were talking about film study well that's it sucks doing that stuff as someone like I'm sure Dennis that you do it I do it it sucks sometimes sitting around and watching film on players all day long especially when you have to watch the two teams we're going to talk about now. exactly like there are times in the offseason when we're watching film on rookies and I'm like you know what I'd rather be playing like I'm gonna, I'm just gonna promise you guys right now. There's a chance that I may take like months off when the new college football game comes out on Xbox and PlayStation. Like you guys, I might turn. You guys might not see me anymore. I might disappear. So like I get it, and that's why I, I think it's definitely somewhere in the middle. You know when it's always gonna gravitate to one horrible side or the other. Right? Nobody ever really takes this stuff and looks at it just down the middle. It's like, oh, it's probably he just they want him to study a little bit more. So I do get where Kyler's coming from. I did not hear that. Uh, the quote that I heard made it sound like he was upset and like he did not realize that was in the contract, which again would be like, well, you signed it. You probably should have read it. So I don't think he realized. I don't think either side realized that everyone was going to take it that well, that they have. but that's hubris. He, he pays, he pays people to read that shit. So, I mean, he's not reading all the contracts. If you're, if you're his agent, you for sure highlight well, yeah, there's a lot of rumors that it was. His I mean, honestly, that. though, neither side comes out looking very good after that. So if, if I found out my own agent tipped that off and created this story, I'd fire them. 
Oh, we've seen, well, who's a baseball player that recently fired his agent for something like that. Anyways, yeah. enough about Kyler Murray. Let's talk about Speaking of firing another. agents, brand new franchise, head coach in Houston. <laughs> franchise quarterback Davis Mills and the Houston Texans. They finished 4-13 and last year and third in the AFC. Their key departures were Tyrod Taylor and Justin Reed. Key additions, they signed Lovey Smith as head coach. They brought in Marlon Mack as a free agent. Dere Ogumbawale, did I get it right? Ogumbawale. Son of a gun. That guy. Close, so close. Dare. Deshaun Hamilton uh, at wide receiver. And their key draft picks, John Mechie third, who obviously, unfortunately, will not be able to play this year, and the running back, Damon Pierce. Matt Davis Mills was a surprise as a rookie. You could argue he was the best rookie quarterback last year. What do you expect from him here in year two? I mean, maybe the second best. I, I think Mac Jones had a pretty good season, and they actually went to the playoffs. And he actually might have less to work with than Davis Mills does in terms of a receiving core. Yep. And, you know, I don't know if any of my other campus to Canton friends are listening, but I distinctly remember someone talking about how good Mac Jones was on that draft coverage last year. It might have been a man in black. Yeah, but which one? And his name <laughs> was Matt. Which one? You'll never know. You'll have to go back to uh, I actually think where Davis Mills is going, his ADP, QB28, um, you, there might be a little value in there. I like him potentially to get into low-end QB2, uh, but high-end QB3 feels pretty safe. I don't think it's going to be an exceptional offense. Um, I think Pep Hamilton is running the offense now. Uh, this was one of the teams where it was confounding that they made a coaching change because it seemed like David Cully had them playing really hard. It seems like the Texans are still mired in the middle of a gigantic rebuild and are not likely to be competitive. And it seemed like David Cully got a lot out of Davis Mills, so hopefully that continues. Brandon Cooks is a consummate professional. He finished this wide receiver 20 last year. He's barely going in wide receiver two territory at wide receiver 24 on ADP. I think that's a value. I think he'll finish right about wide receiver 20 again. It hasn't really mattered who his quarterback is. Beyond that, it's a lot of wish dreams. I was interested to see Mechie, obviously very sad about his cancer diagnosis. We we'll hope that he gets well and gets better soon. There were times when I enjoyed Deshaun Hamilton in Denver, but dude couldn't stay on the field. Um, so I'm not holding out a lot of hope there. Brevin Jordan had some flashes at tight end, but now he's going up at tight end 24. Um, maybe. That's not terrible. He's a guy I like it where you were getting him last year for your dynasty team. The one that I'm kind of interested in is Nico Collins. Um he was their big draft pick last year. He looked not bad down the stretch. He only finished his wide receiver 87 because he didn't have a big role throughout the season, but he's going as wide receiver 80 now. That feels like that's a potential value. Yeah, if if I'm drafting redraft and looking for value, my hope is that Nico Collins delivers because you're right. Uh, Brandon Cooks, while not talked a lot about, He's not necessarily overlooked and going at wide receiver 24, you might be able to get a little extra squeeze out of that lemon and get some juice up to the wide receiver 20, like you said. I'm more concerned with what's going to happen with the running game. We don't expect their offensive line to be great. You know, Laramie Tunsil at left tackle is good. And Titus Howard at right tackle came in a couple years ago and has played pretty well. But the middle of the line is sort of 
you know, Kenyon Green is a rookie playing at left guard. Justin Britt's a journeyman at center. A.J. Can is a journeyman at guard, right guard. And Marlon Mack, he, he's serviceable, not efficient. You know, any burst that he used to have, I think, is lost to the Achilles. Uh, and I don't know, you know, the trouble with Damian Pierce is while he may be he, he may be the guy, but he just never put up great numbers and had high volume at Florida. Now, Florida wasn't always a great team, but he's, you know, do you want to count on a guy that has to go to, you know, the highest level and prove it? You know, my, my son is working on being a professional musician. I certainly don't want his, his first gig to be at Madison Square Garden. And that's kind of what Damian Pierce is facing. He's going into the big leagues and he's, he may, he may, you know, rookie surprise and running back translates easiest to the NFL. And Pierce is going, uh, where is he here? He's coming off the board at running back 43. So a mid RB4, late RB4. And, you know, that's where you want to take a shot with Marlon Mack. Uh, where's his? Is RB49. So they're both in that range. The drafters feel like it's a coin flip. And, you know, you don't want – it's not an offense you want to invest two picks in. So if I'm making the coin flip, I'm probably taking Pierce because he's young. Yeah, I I don't think Davis Mills is going to be the future for this team. It definitely was a lot very surprising what he did last year. We talked a lot about it on this show. I made jokes about him and his very long neck multiple times. I did, I did not think in a, or expect him to be as successful as he was and good on him for shutting up people like me. Uh, I will say though I just I don't think that he's the future of the program. Probably will be this year, but chances are if they finish as low as they did last year, they're going to draft a quarterback. I'm still in on Brandon Cooks, but again, I mean, his ADP is not super low. I mean, 76.6 wide receiver 24. I do think he can outproduce that. He outproduced it last year as wide receiver 20. I mean, he's had been in the league for, I'm going to do math on air, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine years. And seven of those nine, he had over a thousand yards receiving. Like he's been very productive. One of those years was the Rams year when he had multiple concussions as was injured. And then the only other year he has not gone over a thousand yards is his rookie season with the New Orleans Saints where he got 580. And actually he's gone over 1100 in all, but the, and two of the other ones. So he's been very, very productive. He's a guy that I would be very happy to have as my wide receiver too. Again, you're not getting him at much of a steal here at wide receiver 24, but I guarantee you in some drafts he falls farther than that. And so if he does, I would be happy to take him. I do kind of like Nico Collins as well. He was a very, you know, sexy pick last year. A lot of people thought because a lot of people were fading Brandon Cooks. Let's just be honest. At this point in time last year, a lot of people were like Brandon Cooks is probably done. Houston's kind of going the way of complete rebuild. And so a lot of people were in on Nico being possibly the guy that they rebuild around. Now, maybe they still will. He definitely plays opposite. He's going to be playing opposite of Brandon Cooks. I think has a completely different role than Cooks and Mechie when Mechie comes back next year. But again, the big thing is going to be we've never seen these really productive offenses from Lovey Smith whenever he's been a head coach. So like if Lovey Smith is the future head coach down the road, I don't know that we're going to see multiple fantasy assets in the receiving game. So I think it's really going to be Brandon Cooks and Matt. You mentioned Brevin Jordan. 
he was my tight end three, I believe, coming out last year. I was very high on Brevin Jordan, a little bit undersized, did not test well, went much later in the draft than everybody thought. I believe he went round five. I thought at worst he was going to be like a round three pick. Showed flashes at the end of last season. ADP of tight end 24 right now, I would definitely take a shot on him. I think that they will go to him early and often, and at Miami in college, Miami, Florida is where he went to college, he was very good after the catch. I would not be surprised if he is really good there as well here. And a guy that you can – like, I don't think he's ever going to be top five tight end, but as we talked about, like, once you kind of get past tight ends five, six, seven, a lot of those guys are very close in points. It's really just touchdowns. And when they get down in the red zone, if, as Dennis just mentioned, the possible struggles with this running game with Marlon Mack and Damon Pierce, they may just start throwing the ball to their big tight end and Brevin Jordan. He's not massive. He's a more of an athletic playmaking tight end, but still, I think he's going to be very good for them. And in the future, Matt, Dennis just mentioned some of his concerns with the running game. Do you have the same concerns with Marlon Mack and Damon Pierce? And who would you bet on out of the two? Yeah, I'm not super excited about their running game. Um, we saw that last year, like a a big committee. Um, you know, Rex Burkhead's still there too, and I don't think he's necessarily incredible, but I don't think he's going away. Their ADPs aren't horrible. Um, both of them, you know, Marlon Mack at 49 is just outside of RB4 range, whereas uh, Pierce at 43 is kind of – mid RB four. Um, I like, I've heard a lot of people talk about Pierce being the 2022 version of Michael Carter. That gives me pause. Although for 2022, if you're doing redraft, that's not a terrible thing, but part of me wonders if, if it Marlon Mack is being a little bit overlooked when you hear people talk about the Texans backfield, they don't talk about him a ton. And we've seen him be productive at times when he was at Indy because Jonathan Taylor is who he is and was getting what he was getting. It's hard to say how Marlon Mack fared in coming back from a pretty big injury. So he in redraft, I almost think he's the one I'm taking a shot on. I wonder if he doesn't fit the, kind of lovey smith idea of an offense i think i'm going with dennis on pierce and it's not that i don't i don't disagree with what you're saying on mac and we've seen it donta foreman cam Akers. i mean my goodness we're about to talk about him here in a minute there's a realistic shot james robinson is playing week one after tearing his achilles last year like that's not a mass it seems like i shouldn't say it's not a it's a it's a horrible injury to suffer for especially if you're a running back but it doesn't seem like it's affecting these running backs as much as it has in the past. But I think because of what Pierce can do, and I know Mark Mack is not a horrible receiver, but I do think Damian Pierce is also a pretty decent receiver. He's incredible at pass blocking, which I think is what's going to get him on the field more than Marlon Mack. It was one of the big things that came out of the senior bowl. You know, I know uh, for dynasty nerds, I believe was, I know Jared was there. Was Garrett there too this year? Or was it just Jared? Just Jared. Like, so Jared, I know Jared was there. Him and Ray Garvin were talking about that a ton at the senior bowl. Like Damian Pierce was by far the best running back when it came to pass protection. And we know how much NFL teams value that, especially as Dennis just mentioned with the, with the issues they're going to have with that offensive line. So I would not be surprised if he gets on the field more and more. That just gives him more and more opportunities. I would just bet on the younger guy. And at that point too, at least the way that I typically do my drafts, 
if he's likely going to be in my RB, he'd probably be in my RB three or four range. I'm not really counting on him much at that point. Like typically I've gotten at least one or two guys that I want to count on all the time. And then I'm taking some dart throw guys. I just think I'd rather take a dart throw on the younger guy here in Damian Pierce than Marlon Mack. But I do agree with you, Matt. Like I've seen a lot of people talking about Houston and it's almost like they just key in Damian Pierce as a starter and just completely overlook Marlon Mack. And I'll be honest and overlook Rex Burkhead. And I'm not saying that he's going to be a fantasy superstar, but we know there's going to be at least two or three games this year where he goes out there and has a couple big plays and just steals all the points away from Marlon Mack or Pierce, who's ever starting. I don't think it's going to be a fun backfield to be invested in. So I think it is just one of those things that you just pick a guy and that hope the week, hope the week you have to use him for a bye week is the week that that player goes off. So here's my question about the Houston offense. We know their defense isn't good, and so they're going to be behind. What's the chance – that uh, they they bortles it and that offense is productive for fantasy. You know, that we're surprising. Last year, the Texans threw 546 passes, which was 22nd in the league. You know, if they throw 100 more passes because they're playing from behind, that puts them top eight, top 10 in pass attempts last year. They're playing from behind all of last year, too, and they just promoted their defensive coordinator to be their head coach. So what makes you think they think their defense is bad? Well, I because it's Nick Casario, and I don't think he really – I'm not buying in necessarily to Casario's plan. And so I think there's an opportunity that they may they – may, they may pass more because Davis Mills has a year under his belt. They're saying, "Hey, we've seen him. We know what he. We know he can do some things. We're going to build on the foundation that was laid last year with him coming out as coming on as a surprise player after Taylor was hurt, um, and that or Watson. Yeah, Taylor was hurt and Watson was out. And then they're going to kind of just go and and let him kind of do his thing and see what he can do. If they really want to try, let him try to win some games." Can he make some good decisions under pressure? And if they add 75 or 80 or 100 more pass attempts, then I think there's a lot more upside. And in redraft, then you, then you might be looking hitting the waiver wire trying to scrounge up a couple of these pieces that, that you know, right now we're kind of poo-pooing a bit, and rightfully so. I just think it's foolish to think they're going to be more high-volume passing with the current setup they have. Well, they were only one of two teams with fewer than 10 rushing touchdowns last year. And they still didn't throw the ball. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if they throw the ball a little bit more. Just at, at Davis Mills being year two in a system, right? Having Nico Collins also year two, Brevin Jordan year two, Brandon Cooks, like all those guys there. I just don't with, – with the Blake Bortles offense, though, that you mentioned, Dennis, like you had – Allen Robinson, who was an absolute stud. Who was the other one that I cannot remember for the life of me that was really good as well? I, I, I feel like he was a very fast receiver, and I cannot remember who it was now. Uh, was it Marquise Lee who had a bunch of really good games before he got injured? They had Lee, Marquise but Lee. he wasn't the 
I don't remember, but Blake Bortles was like a top five fantasy quarterback every single week. I don't see that coming from Davis Mills. Like, I think Brandon, Alan Hearns. Alan Hearns, there we go. Yeah, poor, poor guy. He ended up with a really bad injury for the Cowboys, the, the leg injury in that one game. So, I, the, where, where the difference is, like, I could see Brandon Cooks having, like, Allen Robinson-type production like he did for Jacksonville when Bortles was there. I don't think that Davis Mills has Bortles-type production. Like, do, do any of us see him getting up to even, like, QB 15, even if they go super pass-heavy? Because I don't. Like, I think no. he's probably somewhere in the 18 to 26 range. Yeah, I feel like he's going to have to bump up and get about 600 pass attempts. They were at 550, right around 550 last year. I, you know, that's only, what, three three more pass attempts a game, four more pass attempts yeah, a game? Yeah, roughly. So, you know, I, I feel like that's doable. He had a six over 66% completion rate. So he's making good decisions with the ball. You know, whether or not he has time, I guess is another story. All right, so their over-under this year is set at 4.5. It's a really good number considering they finished 4-13 and 13 last year. Matt, are you taking the over or the under? I'm going to take the slight over that they get to 5. I, I think I'm going to take the, the over as well just because I hate predicting a team that I think has some gumption to only win four games. I'm going to take the under. I think they get four again this year. If it was four, I'd take the over and bet on five, but I think there's a better shot they finish at four and 13 again this year than they do get to five wins. Football fans, DraftKings changed the fantasy game forever back in 2012, and now, 10 years later, they are doing it again with Rainmakers Football, the first ever NFT fantasy football game. A new way to enjoy daily fantasy football, a new shot to win millions in prizes, and the only NFT fantasy game licensed by the NFLPA. Playing Rainmakers football is simple. Buy, sell, bid, and win player cards of the biggest names in the game through regular drops and auctions. Build your collection of football stars and enter free Rainmaker football contest all season long to compete for millions in jaw-dropping prizes. Each week, craft your lineup of athletes from your NFT collection, rack up points for touchdowns, receptions, and more like you would in any daily fantasy football. The next generation of fantasy sports is almost here. Download the DraftKings Daily Fantasy app now and sign up with promo code TPPN. That is TPPN. Click the Rainmakers tile and opt in so you can be ready for the next drop. Play free for millions in prizes all football season and build ultimate NFT fantasy franchise with Rainmakers football. That's promo code TPPN only at DraftKings. Eligibility and restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. The Jacksonville Jaguars finished 3-14 and last year and fourth in the NFC North. Their key departures, DJ Chark, Dare, who just we just talked about, uh, Miles Jack and Tavon Austin. Their key additions, they bring in a new head coach after firing Urban Meyer in Doug Peterson. They sign one of the best, at least according to the contract, one of the highest contracts for all wide receivers in Christian Kirk. They also bring in Zay Jones, Evan Ingram, and Brandon Sheriff. Their key rookie additions, Snoop Connor. Dennis, the Jaguars reloaded with weapons. With Will Trevor Lawrence step up in year two? So I believe in Trevor Lawrence's talent, and 
I feel like the gap between Urban Meyer and Doug Peterson is astronomical. Now, by no means do I think that Doug Peterson is Bill Belichick, peak era Bill Belichick. But I think the gap between Doug Peterson and Urban Meyer as NFL coaches is very Belichickian. So it's going to be a super big upgrade for that whole offense. And, and Lawrence can do it all. Now, his completion percentage was really one of the things that he struggled with last year. I think he'll have that under control. He'll, he'll be back up in the high 60s. He's got more weapons, if not necessarily elite weapons. He definitely has more uh, with the signing of Christian Kirk. Marvin Jones is back. Zay Jones flashes every now and again. Um, you know, they've got a couple. They, they, ha they have players. I don't know if they have great players, but they have a very middle of the road. And, and I think that Peterson will be able to get some more out of those uh, perimeter players. But I love that Lawrence is mobile. He's got a big arm. And in college, he was a really good decision maker. It's Doug Peterson's job to put him in good positions. And I think he'll do that. So, yeah, I expect, I expect, you know, top 16 out of him this year. It would be hard for him to be much worse versus expectation last year. I was surprised actually that he finished as QB 22 because it didn't seem like it was going that well um, for a lot of the season. Hopefully he'll be more consistent. I think QB 18 as his uh, current ADP for redraft seems about right to me. Um, Christian Kirk, I, I don't mind that ADP at wide receiver 44 or Ingram at tight end 22. I'm staying away from everybody else. Zay Jones, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault, Bob the Tool Man. I don't know. Somebody probably contribute. I don't really have a lot of faith in the offense. I'm much less bullish on Doug Peterson as a hire than you guys are. And I, I just think the Jaguars are an awful franchise. And I sort of feel bad for Trevor Lawrence for landing there now. I don't want to be grouped into liking Doug Peterson. I, I don't think that he's that good of a hire either. I, I think it's a good thing for one position on the team that he's shown like constant success with outside of that, which we'll get to in a minute. Like, I don't know that he's going to be that great of a hire or, or anything really special for the Jaguars either. I, I do think Lawrence will take a step up. Um, what is interesting and, and, I know some people are giving him a pass for what happened with the Urban Meyer year. They, like, you can't really say era because it didn't really last long. But the beginning I mean, it part, it was a very short era, yes. If you actually look at Trevor Lawrence's stats, like he was actually – the interesting thing was he was actually good in the first part of the season when Urban Meyer was there. It was actually when Urban Meyer got fired that he just fell off a cliff. I believe like the last five or six games, he threw like one touchdown and it was like almost double digit interceptions. It was bad. And now I don't necessarily think that that was a urban Meyer influence. It was probably just, there was so much going on with that team. He's a rookie. Like it was just in a bad place. Matt just mentioned, it's not really been a great franchise for honestly, since they were one tip pass away from making it to the Super Bowl, which I honestly think they probably could have won, which is insane to think about. Cause that wasn't even, is that like seven years ago? It's not even been 10 years since that. So it's um, it's insane to see the the fall that they've had. 
I do think Trevor Lawrence is a very good quarterback, but I do feel like the ADP is honestly a little high. I don't expect him to be a top 20 fantasy quarterback for redraft, at least this year. He's still a quarterback I'm willing to bet on in Dynasty. But I am not going to bet on him on redraft this year. I think Christian Kirk could take a step forward. Um, I Evan Ingram is the player that I do think could have a good year just based on how good tight ends have been for Doug Peterson. But I don't like this offense at all. We're about to get to the running back room, and I think that's being wildly overstated and overrated on how good some of those players are. Like, I like Christian Kirk. I, I, I think he's getting shit on a lot because of the contract he signed but we talked a little bit about this i think maybe when it happened or when we were talking about we talked about the cardinals yet maybe it was we talked about the cardinals christian kirk has actually been fairly productive but he struggled with injuries and then they just kept bringing in more and more receivers with cliff kingsbury and we talked a lot about it i mean we've been here since he got drafted out of texas a&m as a rookie all three of us said it he's a slot wide receiver where did Arizona play him? They played him on the outside. Where is he playing this year? He's actually in the slot. I think that is a very good thing for Christian Kirk. They've already said Zay Jones is likely, not likely, he's the guy on the outside that's pushing Kirk into the slot. I think that's the perfect place for him. So will he live up to that contract? Probably not, but that's not his fault. It's not his fault Arizona paid him, or not Arizona, Jacksonville paid him that much money. Again, I'll go back to the, the thing it's I made It's just earlier. humid Arizona. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah. The, like if, if again, if you're you, nobody listening to this podcast or anybody who watches this video, if a company you worked for came up to you and said, Hey, we're going to offer you a hundred and whatever million dollars to do the same job you're doing now that you would say, nah, I'm not worth that. You're going to take it. And you're not going to honestly care if you live up to those standards. And even if you got overpaid, did he get overpaid? Probably but what's the saying? You're worth what someone's willing to pay you. Jacksonville was willing to pay him that money. So I hate that he gets shit on for that. That is not well, his fault. And if we're being honest, Jacksonville has to overpay anyone they want to come there because 100%. of what we talked about, about their franchise. So they had to pay like AJ Brown money to get Christian Kirk because yeah. it's Jacksonville. A hundred percent. And it, again, that, that, so that's why I don't like because people argue about that. Like his his ADP wide receiver 44, I actually do think he can outproduce that. Now, I don't think he's going to be a wide receiver too, but I wouldn't be surprised if he could finish low-end wide receiver three or high-end wide receiver four, which is right around where 44 is. But I think he can outproduce that. So I do think he's going to be the best receiving option for the Jaguars. I don't think it's going to be Zay Jones. Or, or maybe Marvin Jones has a resurgent year. He was not great last year. I'm betting in on Christian Kirk in this offense. Uh, so he's the one that I would take again. He's wide receiver 44. Marvin Jones is going much later than him, 40 spots below him at wide receiver 84. So, like, if you want to take a shot on him, I get it, because he's definitely had much better seasons when it comes to fantasy than Kirk. But I'm, I'm going to put my money in on Kirk. And if you want to take a shot on LaVisca Chenault, please DM the podcast site and let us know who hurt you. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if he's not even on the team anymore. Uh, <laughs> Travis Etienne. Remember when he on. was going to be like, so what, what Debo with... Samuel is with the 49ers. Yeah, yeah. He was, well, he was Debo before Debo, and but never actually produced as Debo. So last year's wide receiver 44, the stat line. 85 targets, 53 catches, 734 yards, five touchdowns. 
Yeah, I mean, Marvin Jones was wide receiver 34 for this team last year. I think that's probably yeah. where Kirk ends up. Yeah, I was going to say, I feel that was Tim Patrick. I feel like. Well, and that, Tim Patrick had nobody throwing him the football. And I just feel like I it, I, I, it, I would be dumbfounded if, if Christian Kirk only had 85 targets this year. Yeah, like I said, I, I do think he's in for a really good season. All right, so Travis Etienne had uh, the Liz Frank injury very early on. Uh, I believe it was even before training camp it started was, yeah. last year and, and missed the whole season. Comes back this year, and a lot of people expected him to come back and practically have the job to himself because James Robinson tore his, tore his Achilles late in the season last year. He's back somehow. Uh, the Jaguars have been very optimistic and openly said multiple times that he is not going on the pup and that he should be back by August. There's a lot of people who also say that he will be back by August. I'm going to take this one first because I, I feel like a lot of people have been pumping up Travis Etienne because of a couple camp videos of him catching the ball. I don't have the full list uh, but if you go look at NFL players who've had the list Frank injury and came back and actually produced, the only one that I can think of that's had a good season is Jimmy Smith, the defensive back for the Ravens. Even when Le'Veon Bell did it, he came back. And that maybe I, well, I'll say Bell because Bell's also could have been the fact that he sat out for an entire year for the contract that, you know, he, he walked so every other running back could run pretty much kind of thing. Like he sat out to, to work that contract thing with the Steelers. But outside of that, Matt Schaub, Morgan Moses, Maurice Jones drew fell off a cliff after that happened to him. Same with San Antonio Holmes, Dwight Freeney. Like there's a long list of players who have had list Frank injuries and not bounce back on top of that. We see all these people talking about how Travis Etienne is this incredible receiving threat. He's, you know, going to be this guy that they can throw the ball to all the time. And I went and did some research on this the other day because I was I posted this on Twitter. I was talking about this in, in, in a chat with Scott Connor and Ray Garvin. 73% of Travis Etienne's over 70 catches in, in college came from behind the line of scrimmage. And Noah Hills, one of our contributors here at Camps Canton, all does stuff at Player Profile, actually then went in and said of that 73% that he caught behind the line of scrimmage, 90% of it were in screens, which if you guys have watched, it's, it's designed for the running back to catch the ball. Out of all 74 of his passes, I'm sorry, he had 76, I think. Four of them came from over nine yards. Four out of 70 plus catches. Four of them came over nine yards. Guys, he's not a good receiver. He's not. I hate to break it to any of you who watched the one camp highlight of him running in shorts against air and catching a ball and then going to tell me he's one of the elite receivers in the NFL. He's not. Now, am I saying that he cannot be a good screen pass receiver for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Absolutely, he can. We've seen him and Trevor Lawrence do it at Clemson. But you know what? I've said it when he got drafted. He was my running back three coming out. His vision is not great. I haven't seen anything to suggest that that's improved at all. Yes, he's got home run speed. Yes, he's going to make some plays for you. Yes, he's going to be good. For people saying that he's going to be a high-end running back, RB21 in ADP, I would be surprised if he finishes as an RB2. 
And if James Robinson is back, I think it's going to be even lower because they'll give James Robinson the ball at times. He's going to get the touchdowns. I am all out on Travis Etienne. I mean, is RB21 really a high-end running back? So that's the thing. But people have people have him as high as like RB13, 14. There are people who are talking, or again, I get that people sometimes overinflate. Yeah, they had him as fringe RB1 when they're watching him catch these passes against air. And that's just, I'm not going to name names because that's not what I do. There are fantasy analysts out there talking about how he was an elite pass catcher in college. Go do your homework because he is not, and he never was. But they look at the stats and they say, oh, he had 74 catches for 300 plus yards. His A dot was like five yards. And his, his uh, what was it, his yak after the catch was almost 14. Showed he was doing everything after the catch, which lines up. He's an explosive runner. If he gets in the open field, he's extremely fast. He's likely gone. But he's got to get there first, and he's not a good pass catcher, in my opinion. Like, And I know there's multiple other people who agree with me on that. Now, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe this is my Josh Jacobs now, because I was wrong on Josh Jacobs for two years. But I just think people inflating because of a couple camp videos and them assuming James Robinson isn't coming back and saying he has a chance to be an RB1 is just a ridiculous statement. I mean, he has as good a shot as anybody else going in the, you know, RB13 through 24. I disagree, but... I I mean, because... I'm probably as much or more concerned about the Liz Frank injury than I am the, you know, the questionable pass catching ability. It, it's, it hasn't been great. And maybe that's the new um, Achilles because we do see players now starting to come back from the Achilles injuries. And I know there's grades, I think, to the Liz Frank injuries. And depending on how bad they are, I mean, you know, that I think leads to uh, how well players can can actually come back and play. I, I do have some concern with, you know, it'll be seven months since Robinson tore his Achilles. And I know that Cam Akers came back and played at the end of the year, but he didn't look good. And with Snoop or with James Robinson coming back after seven months, Sure, they're they're not putting him on camp pup, but are they really doing him any favors? I mean, he was, I guess he wasn't super explosive, so maybe that plays into whether or not the Achilles injury can come back from better. Because if you didn't have explosion and then you get your Achilles injured, I mean, are you really losing that much explosion? I don't know, um, but it does look like there's going to. I, I would expect be, between ETN and Robinson and Snoop Connor, it could get ugly for fantasy if ETN struggles with his vision or his foot, you know, gets dinged up, or if Robinson looks sluggish because he's afraid to push off or cut, and then you've got Connor picking up the slack. It could get real ugly for the backs in Jacksonville. So, you know, maybe it is a Christian Kirk season. So there are, there are three things, I think. You know, we don't know what Travis Etienne can be as a pro because we literally haven't seen him. And he's coming back off a pretty serious injury. 
I'm not sold that James Robinson is back at the beginning of the season. I saw all those things where people were speculating that he could be ready for week one, but James Robinson's quote was, oh, when I'm ready, I'll be ready. But yeah, I'm not I feel gonna like rush gonna anything. Go on, and I'm I like, yeah, he's if, go on pup at the beginning. When when they break camp, he's going on pup and he'll be but, out for four games. The last piece though is when's the last time in a Doug Peterson offense you had uh, elite running back production? I mean, we talked about Miles Sanders was gonna be great and that he was an awesome prospect and he didn't do much in Doug Peterson's system. They had running backs before him too that didn't put up big numbers so i don't i i'm not high on the entire jacksonville offense and i'm i'm with matt running back 21 you can have atn if that's where you want to take him i if i he was going more in the rb3 range uh you know or he was going down a little bit closer to where the other running backs we were talking about with you know marlon mack and um and Damon Pierce, I might like that better. 21, you that's somewhere where you're banking on. And if you were a guy that waited on running back, that's somebody you're, you might end up taking as your top running back. You know, if you went heavy on wide receivers and stuff, running backs in the 20s on ADP is where you start taking, like, your first guy and hoping he's going to ball out for you. and Maybe you'll get lucky, but... Nope. I mean, at, at pick 55 with ETN, he's like, he's that guy that I take as my RB3 in, in the fourth, late fourth or fifth round because I went two stud running backs at the beginning. If, if I go two RBs, two quarterbacks, and I'm going, okay, well, I'm clearly doing a, a RB heavy build here. So I'll take, I'll, I'll take a shot on ETN. If I'm playing best ball and I'm picking in the fifth round, I'm taking a shot on ETN if he's there. For diversi- diversification uh, processes mostly, and I was surprised to look at Underdog and realize that I'm at like a dozen best ball drafts. I think one of the few things he does have going for him is that he played with Lawrence in college, so they already have a rapport, and that might be why people are more bullish that he's going to catch a lot of passes because if things aren't going well, I mean, I was heartened that the Jaguars did go get Brandon Sheriff, but they didn't have an incredible line last year either. Like, I would feel comfortable taking him in best ball. I don't want to make it sound like I would never draft Travis Etienne, but I'm not taking him in a start your lineup league because I just think his game is is very much boomer bust. And, and I'd be very curious. I don't know if someone can pull up the ADP because I want to do a name game here on the guys in between him. And see who I'd rather take over. I'll get the fantasy pros. Uh, and I'll, I'll ask uh, answer Gayer's question here really quick. So, what should you respect in return at a minimum? I mean, I don't think he's absolutely a zero, especially if James Robinson does start off the season on a pup. I just think wide receiver twenty one is a bit much. I would, I think he's probably a high end RB three, if if I'm being honest. Like he's probably in the. 28 to 30 range would be what I would put him at right. more than RB 21. So I will start with the uh, four guys behind him. Uh, would you rather have Travis Etienne or Devin Singletary? I would take Singletary. I, I It's going to be a coin flip for me uh, in part because I feel like Etienne could, could get more volume. 
Yeah, that one's a little closer. This one probably won't be close for any of us. Travis ATN or J.K. Dobbins. Oh, Dobbins. That's yeah. easy. How is Dobbins going after he? Dobbins I mean, he is will... going as RB25 right now. You you do have, obviously, the talk. We haven't we have talked Baltimore, but at that time, they were saying he was going to be back. There are now rumors that he may start yeah. the season on Puppet. I would still take Dobbins. And, uh, okay, Travis ATN or A.J. Dillon? I take Dillon. Yeah, I'm high on Dylan this year. This will be the Sophie's choice for Matt. Travis Etienne or Elijah Mitchell? Mitchell. It's not <laughs> actually not even close. Look, I hey, I admitted it in that episode. Dennis was right. Like if you go look at what Mitchell did last year, he was very it's really just the injury. And if I'm being honest, I have much more concerns about a Liz Frank injury than just dealing with a couple bumps and bruises like Mitchell did. So it would be Mitchell plus that system. It would be easily Mitchell for me. I don't think there's anyone in the the four above him are James Conner, Josh Jacobs, Antonio Gibson, Brees Hall. I'm going to go a little further down. Travis Etienne or Clyde Edwards-Hilaire? Oh, I would take Etienne. I would definitely not take CEH yeah. over him. I have Edwards-Hilaire at RB27 and Etienne at 19. So, uh, Travis Etienne or Damian Harris? I, man, I try, go ahead, Dennis. Go ahead. I was going to say, man, I wish if, if Belichick would throw Harris the ball yeah. like just three times a freaking game. That's all I'm asking. Just three targets. Just like two screen passes. That's it. Just get him the ball, throw him twice behind the line, let him get five yards in a reception. Um, I'm going to probably go ETN. I don't know. I love Harris a lot. And my fear, if you would have asked me this yesterday, I would have said Harris. But then you got all the camp stuff out mm-hmm. that Ramondre is running with the ones. That does worry me a little bit for Harris. So at that point, I'd probably take Etienne just because I think he's got more boom weeks than Harris does. So two more. This one will cut Dennis deep. Travis Etienne or Rashad Penny? I. Uh, I'm starting to fall in love with Penny again, but I'd go ETN here. As would I, I think Walker's going to be the guy for Seattle. So I take, I take. Uh, I, I think Penny's going to be the guy for about <laughs> four or five games until he has a soft tissue injury. Right. Well, that's that's why I take ETN because if you're betting on the soft tissue injury, I mean, not that ETN obviously is a clean bill of health either, but. And this. This one, so ATN's going on Fantasy Pros. He's down to running back 22, which is nominally different. At running back 31, Miles Sanders. I think I'd still take ETN, but it would be close. I love Miles Sanders, but he said that he it's going to be a committee. Kenneth Gainwell's doing a lot of running with the ones from all the Philly reports. So, I, I, again, I'd bet on the boom upside of ETN at that point. See, this dovetails. Dennis what did wasn't too didn't dislike his ADP that much. You and I saw him more in the RB three range. I think if you dropped him four or five spots, you're right about where I in reading those names where I am and where you are too. Yeah, and that's what I said. Like I, I feel bad because I, I came out on fire of like completely shitting all over Etienne as a player. But then I will retract some of that as as to answer Gator's question. I just. I'm not paying for him at that ADP. I think he's more of a high end running back three. Like I just, I would not bet on him being anywhere above 20. I really would not. Chase Edmonds or Travis Etienne? 
Who has Chase Edmonds in their top 30? I mean, I'd probably take him. I probably would take Edmonds. I have Edmonds at 30 currently. Because of the system. I, I bet on that system. I don't know. I, I've got ETN at 19. I feel like in my next update, he's probably dropping down a couple spots. I'm torn because I, you know, I've got Acres at 22. And pre-injury, it would have been easy to have him up a lot higher. And I'm just not sold. I, I, I feel like I have to see something from him to see if he's getting any explosion back. Is he getting any of that nimbleness back? You know, he's another one that doesn't have great vision, but he does have great running ability. He just, you know, sometimes runs right into the back of his guys, picks the wrong hole. You know, I've got Antonio Gibson at 21. And, you know, for I feel like he's just getting negative press out the Yahoo. And he's just going to come in and he's going to get 20 carries a game and three targets a game. And he's going to just shut up and do his job. And at the end of the season, we're going to look back and he's RB 15 and everybody's going to be like, Oh, we thought that uh, Brian Robinson and JD McKissick were taking over and he just has done his job. Yeah. I actually don't think Antonio Gibson's going to be that good this year, but we'll talk about that when we get to Washington for sure. Uh, before we jump into the over-unders, because I've mentioned that I am big on Evan Ingram. We've seen how successful tight ends have been for Doug Peterson, but a lot of the stuff coming out of camp is that Evan Ingram has dropped a lot of balls. Are either one No of way! Are, you know, are either one of you in on Evan Ingram, who is sitting at tight end 22 in the ADP? I'm fine at tight end 22, but it's low end tight end two for me yeah i'm gonna try i try and uh see i have him at tight end 18 in my rankings so that's kind of it's the bottom end of that fat tier but after these reports he might drop is what you're saying yeah (laughs) exactly i got Uh, it i I see what you did there you know and it comes down to like i i feel like with dan arnold still there there's a chance that they run that you know, Philly two tight end set with Arnold and Everett, and all of a sudden Arnold is the one that's collecting the catches. I don't think it'll be Arnold just because that's all. I mean, not that he's clearly that good at it either, because as we just mentioned, he drops a lot of balls, but he's definitely more athletic than Arnold. Uh, all right, so the over-unders here for the Jacksonville Jaguars is set at 6.5 after finishing 3-14 and 14 last year. Even though I do expect them to be a little bit better, I'm taking the under. I think that at best you're getting to six wins. I don't see them going over. Yeah, I'm. I think six is the number too. I, I, I want, I, I want Trevor to do better, to have, you know, to win more. But, but I think doubling your win totals from last year is kind of a good expectation. Year one with Doug Peterson. Don't take too big a step so you're still drafting early and adding more good players to your team. So six is a good number. I'll take the under. I'm going under. I wouldn't be surprised if they have their third straight number one pick. All right, so that'll do it for us today. We'll be back on Monday, which will be a live show. We'll be doing the NFC South next week. We'll be doing the Buccaneers and Saints on Monday. 
And then next week, and we'll talk about this again on uh, Monday's show, we will only have a podcast dropping on Friday, no live show. So everybody enjoy your weekend, and we will see you guys again on Monday. Did the listener leave? Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line already. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored. Throw it up above his head. They can't jump with me. Golly. Oh, they tackle him at the 40-yard line. Who can make a play? I can. Who can make a play? <laughs>